we have been studying through the book of Luke. And our method of ministry here from the pulpit is to take one verse at a time and often one word at a time. And so we have been journeying through the book of Luke and we are now in chapter 3. In the message that we gave the last time that we were together, we began to consider these wonderful but mysterious words that were spoken by the prophet John the Baptist. His message was so powerful to the people that they had begun to question whether or not he might be more than just a prophet. Questioning whether he might actually be the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that they had expected for so long. And then here in these words of chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, John tells them, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, may I remind us that John the Baptist was born for this very purpose. He was a forerunner. He was a herald that was going out ahead announcing the coming of the kingdom of God and especially to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus. That's why the Lord brought him in to this life. And so then, with these simple but mysterious words, John the Baptist was giving his first introduction of the Lord Jesus, his first announcement of the arrival of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, the true Messiah. Listen again to these words. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and he'll gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff, the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now this one who was mightier than him that John was speaking about and who would stand before these people that day was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And John was declaring to them that Jesus would do far greater things than John could ever do. But folks, listen. In this astounding announcement about the Lord Jesus, we must not miss out on the other announcement that's taking place within these words. Now listen again carefully to them. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In these words, in these words, John the Baptist is not only announcing the arrival of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, he's also announcing the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit had been on the earth all the millennia since creation, working within the hearts of many, many people, and especially the prophets. But now, with the coming to earth of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit then would begin to take on a whole other, much more active role. And as Jesus would begin to preach and to teach and to minister to the people, we find within his words the unfolding of a blessed and glorious plan. A plan 
for not only to save people from their sins, but the plan was to also change every part of each person's personality and life. Our young men sang about that in one of their songs. God wants to do more than just save you folks. He wants to change us. It was never also, it was never God's plan for just one of the members of the Trinity to be involved in the salvation of mankind. It was ever and always going to be the ministry of all three within the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we can see in the crowds that had gathered there that day to be baptized by John that God's broader plan was taking place already. Because Jesus would say later, he said, no one comes to me except my Father draws them. And though those people were not able to perceive perhaps the presence of the Holy Spirit, from our vantage point, looking back, and especially from the advantage of the Scriptures, looking back, we can know that the gathering of those crowds that were coming there to be baptized, they were doing that because God was already at work in their hearts. The Holy Spirit was already drawing them to see John the Baptist. And then subsequently, that very day, to see the Lord Jesus. Folks, this is a truth that you and I must recognize. Each of us has a free and active will. And we use our free will to do all the things that we do. But listen, overarching our free will is the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. And here as these people gathered to hear and to see John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus, they were being drawn there by God the Father. Those words again, no one, no one comes to me except my Father draw them. And listen, much the same takes place in people's hearts even today. As they're drawn to attend perhaps a crusade or a conference where they'll hear the gospel and they'll go forward and they'll give their hearts to Christ. God's Holy Spirit had already been working in their hearts weeks, perhaps even months, before to prepare them to go to this one event and then to surrender their hearts to Christ. It's the way that God works to draw men and women to Him. And listen, may I say also, though you may have come here for some other reason, reasons of your own, you were brought here, Listen, the sovereign hand of God was first at work, drawing you to be here, to hear this truth, and to respond to it. Do you believe that? Some of you just simply got on the bus. But God's hand was drawing you here to hear this truth so you could respond to it. And we know also that in John chapter 16, Jesus would later declare that when the Holy Spirit comes... He will convict men and women of sin and righteousness and judgment. And that was exactly what was taking place in those very moments there with John the Baptist as he baptized those people. These people were being convicted that they were sinners and they were in need of being cleansed from their sins. And while John's baptism was a first step, there was so much more to take place. Those words again. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This one that John was introducing within these words, the Lord Jesus, 
he would bring the people salvation. And then the other one, the other one, the Holy Spirit, he would carry that salvation on further and deeper and throughout each person's life and on into eternity. Praise the Lord. His plan is complete. Folks, he wants to reveal himself to us, and he's doing that here. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that you and I might have life to save us from our sins. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit to secure our souls on into the future of eternity, the other side of forever. What a wonderful plan God's revealing to us here in these words. And you and I, after having received the Lord Jesus into our souls as our Savior and Lord, we're right now, you are right now, enjoying the benefits of these words that John spoke here about the Holy Spirit. I want to read them again. I want to write them up on your heart. John answered, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he'll clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You know what that chaff is? That's a lot of your bad habits, your wrong beliefs. And so he wants to burn away all of that chaff so that you can be a child of his. I said to us in an earlier message that while many of our charismatic friends envision mostly only special euphoric feelings of worship and praise as they are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we know from these truths and others that we've been sharing about the Holy Spirit that there's so much more in store for our souls as the Holy Spirit baptizes us. And I'd like for us to spend just these last few minutes looking at some of those things, examining exactly who the Holy Spirit is and the great blessing that He accomplishes within our lives, and especially to consider the response that you and I are required to have to Him as He lives and works within our souls. We just said that the Holy Spirit really begins His work long before we're ever aware of His presence. Did you know that? I came to know the Lord when I was 29 years old, but I can recall as a teenager, I knew I wanted to be like other people who were Christians, but I wasn't. But he was working on me. I used to pray to him, although I didn't know how to pray, and I was not a believer as such. I didn't have him as my Savior. But I would pray. So he had been working in my heart for many years, drawing me towards him. Time after time, doing what he is doing in your life every day making us know, making me to know that I was a sinner desperately in need of a Savior. You are a sinner desperately in need of a Savior. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, often that drawing and that convincing takes place over a long period of time. We just don't know it's taking place. But when God is ready, when the Holy Spirit is ready, for us to surrender our hearts to the Lord Jesus, we do. And that's when our lives begin to take on a whole new beginning. It's then, at that moment that we receive Christ, that the Holy Spirit then comes in and starts to do His work. Starts to indwell us and to change us. 
A know also, listen, know also with a certainty that as he comes to indwell within our spirit, that is permanent. That is permanent. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's in a part of our eternal existence. And folks, all of this is done by God's own choice, by his blessed grace. Listen to these words. I've shared these on many occasions, but I love them. They're in Ezekiel chapter 36. Listen to these words. There God tells us, I will give you a new heart. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Folks, God does not just want to save us from our sins. He wants to save us, yes, but he wants to change us into a whole new person. One that's transformed into the image of his son. Consider these words that I just read here in Ezekiel 36. We're told there that at that first moment of our salvation, when God gives us a new heart, his Holy Spirit then comes to live within us. That means, listen to these words, that means that he not only knows all of those private things that we think and that we say and that we do, he is also experiencing the very same things, just as we are. Think about that. When he comes to live within you, he then has to walk with you through everything that you do, through every conversation, whether that conversation be good or bad, through every behavior, whether that behavior be good or bad. Everything that we watch on our television, on our computer, on our iPad, on our cell phone, it's filtered through the presence of the Holy Spirit who's living within us. As we watch all those lewd and lascivious programs and listen to all that profane language being spouted by those actors, and it's in almost every movie you'll watch on television, that your Holy Spirit is also having to watch and listen to those very things himself. And that's an awful thing that we would do to the Holy Spirit. Consider, and, and this is mostly for us adults or at least those who drive, the next time that you find yourself cussing out that tailgater who rides too close to your bumper, or perhaps as you're watching television, you're cussing out that politician there on the television, your words, your behavior are all being filtered through this blessed presence of God's Holy Spirit. Wow. With all that being said, you and I really do need to get to know as much as we can about the Holy Spirit because He's the one that's walking with us every moment of every day after we have Him as our Savior. And how do we do that? We find out about Him in our Scripture. And Jesus especially spoke about the Holy Spirit a lot. Listen to this. This is John chapter 14. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So what he's saying is this. You've got to read this first, and then when you need what he says in these scriptures, then he'll bring it back to mind. He also says in John 15, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, 
who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, about Jesus. Now note there in those two passages that the Holy Spirit, now he is an equal member within the Trinity. He's equal to God the Father, God the Son, but he is sent by them. So he is doing their bidding. And then note also in those words that the Holy Spirit does not come to reveal himself. Did you notice in those scriptures that I just read? The Holy Spirit doesn't come to reveal himself, to make himself known, but he instead bears witness of the Lord Jesus, revealing the Lord Jesus and making him known to us. That's why we turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus. There's a, an essential understanding that God wants us to have from these passages about the Holy Spirit. He does not, the Holy Spirit does not desire to glorify himself. He instead magnifies God the Father and God the Son. And then also in John chapter 16, I referred to these words earlier. He says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So when you get that guilt pain within your heart, when you're doing something you know is wrong, that's most likely the Holy Spirit. That was what the Holy Spirit was doing in the hearts of those people that were there in front of John that day. They were repenting and they were wanting to be baptized and to be cleansed from their sin. And that's what he does within your and my heart to bring us to Christ on our knees. And then also in John chapter 16, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now here again, the Holy Spirit will take the precious truths of God the Father, God the Son, and he will make them known to us, not glorifying himself but glorifying God the Father and God the Son. An unbeliever cannot read these words and understand them. Do you know that? They cannot. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that these truths are only made known by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here in these words. He will take what is mine and he will make it known to you. He'll explain it to you. Folks, these words are wonderful and they are so important and meaningful to us personally. Think about them for a moment. In Romans chapter 8, listen to this. The Apostle Paul tells us this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You and I, when you receive Christ as your Savior, as I received Christ as my Savior, I became a child of God. Again, he tells us that over in chapter 1 of John, that we get to be children of God. Do you know what that means? We become his adopted children, his adopted son. Much the same as the Lord Jesus, he says to us here. And no, no, we do not become little gods. There's only one God. Only one God. But we do become God's adopted sons and daughters. Praise the Lord. And yes, we will inherit all of the benefits of his kingdom. And whether we can fathom it or not, our adoption actually gives us great blessings even while we're here in this life. 
blessings beyond our comprehension. Why else do you suppose that you are right now living such a blessed existence each day while the rest of the world, the rest of the world is floundering around in chaos and turmoil? Listen to these words also in Romans 8. Here we're told that in the weakness of our flesh, we barely know how to pray. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the Spirit knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now also, sadly, we mentioned it a moment ago, we become careless with our behaviors and our habits. And when we do, we can disappoint, we can grieve, we can even quench that fire of God's Holy Spirit. Listen to these words. Ephesians 4, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed for the day of redemption. And then also it tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, Do not quench the Spirit. Again, sadly, by our behaviors and our conduct, we can sometimes, maybe often, quench that fire of the Holy Spirit that's spoken about here as he begins to take and burn away that chaff from around us. You and I must carefully guard our souls against our bad behaviors. And these words about the Holy Spirit, they just go on and on, God admonishing us. I know that these words that I've given us today, they barely touched on what the Holy Spirit is all about, who he is and what he does. And we'll talk more about that next week. But our time is limited, so I'm going to close for now. But listen, before we go, before we go, remembering that I mentioned a moment ago that one of the reasons that you are here today is because the Holy Spirit has drawn you to be here. Now may I ask, what are you going to do with the things that you have heard today? Either in this message, in the Psalms that are sung, what are you going to do with the things that you have heard today? Will you just file them away in your memory and do nothing with them? Or will you add them to the many things that God has already spoken to you and then begin to know that you really are a sinner desperately in need of a Savior? You must. I must. We must. Let me remind you again of something I said a moment ago. What takes place on this side of forever has everything to do with what takes place on the other side of forever. If you have not received Jesus into your heart and soul as your Savior, I beg you to do that today. I beg you to do that, to allow Him to baptize you with His Holy Spirit and fire. Let's pray.